Hello, UXRTO community and others interested in user experience research. Welcome to the second episode of Personas. Personas is a podcast series that features members of the UXRTO community, where I speak with a different user researcher each month to hear about their successes and challenges and introduce you to some of the extremely talented individuals that make up the UXRTO community. I hope you find this podcast insightful and interesting, and if you ever have a question that you would like to have asked on the show, please feel free to reach out to me on the UXRTO Slack group. My username is Melanie. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Melanie Bissett, and I am a member of the UXRTO community team. And today I have the pleasure of sitting with... Christina Chung. Thank you so much for joining us, Christina. I'd like to start this convo by having you introduce yourself. Please let us know where you work and what your title is, and then we can talk a little bit more about your background. Sure. So um, right now, I'm a UX specialist at Moneris. I've been there for a bit over a year and a half, and what I basically do is uh, I do both research and design um, I work with uh, the biz- I work with our our business operations side, um, uh, project management, uh, technology, and to basically understand uh, how our users might want to uh, what what their needs and their pain points are, and what I and I, with those and with those uh, results, I try to create um, design concepts for it that our technology department can use. Nice. Um, so for people who don't know what Moneris is or mm-hmm. aren't familiar with it, can you just give a brief overview of what Moneris is? Yeah, sure. So Moneris is a payment processing company. Um, so what we do is, uh, you might know Moneris for their uh, devices or their terminals. And uh, one of their partners is with Shopify. So uh, any merchant that uh, any merchant that has a payment process that has a payment processing what what happens is when a customer makes a transaction Moneris is the middle person that goes through to make sure that the customer uh, has you know has has adequate amount is spending an adequate amount or um, has enough to spend and that response will go back to the banks and that bank uh, trans- uh, gets that information and brings it back to Moneris and back to the terminal so that what the customer sees on the terminal is that it's been, you know, approved or declined. Okay. And so I'm familiar with Moneris, um, but I also know that Moneris is like a physical product too, like they are point of sales system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, is the point of sale system itself developed like where you work or is that another third party that provides uh, the, the no, it's No, it's the third it's the third party. So uh, it's mainly it's mainly Ingenico or Verifone products that actually uh, th- that we actually take the devices or devices of the terminals from and soft and uh, the software uh, our technology team will customize it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, great. So you mentioned that you're both you're a UX specialist. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about more about your background and how you got into being a UX specialist. Yeah, sure. So, uh, so this actually happened. So when I first heard about the term user uh, experience in general, it was about about five years ago. 
actually I can't do my math right now, <laughs> but it was back in um, 2011 when I had my first co-op term. Um, I was I was doing I was a project coordinator at that time for uh, a web development team, and um, my director at that time uh, he was talking about user experience and in 2011 there wasn't much there wasn't you know any job postings about uh, user experience no one really knew what user experience was mm -hmm. um, so you know when it comes to that no one knew, knew what UX research was or UX design was um, but then I started doing some research with with some of our users so applying uh, basic uh, research methods right so like surveys um, Actually, it was mainly it was mainly yeah. Actually, it was mainly surveys like drafting surveys and all of that. And yeah. uh, in my courses at the time, uh, so I did a so I did my major in sociology, my bachelor's degree in sociology, and mm -hmm. um, what they were teaching in school at that time was social research methods. So oh, cool. I did I did my uh, you know research on UX at the time, like just like on Google, and um, I saw the connection between applying social research research methods and um, how it could be applied in UX to really grasp what it was. And I thought that, you know, I could really, you know, make, I could really make something out of this, even though at the time, you know, uh, a lot of, there were a lot of UX jobs, mostly in the States. Um, and yeah. obviously it's not until a couple, even maybe in the last two, three years that UX started booming in Canada. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's how I found that, found that about UX. Cool. And then did you do any um, other types of programs to, like, really get a better understanding of UX besides your undergrad or did you make it so that your undergrad just led you into getting into UX? Um, so I mainly, f I mean like I did rely on uh, learning more about the research methods uh, with my degree but I also uh, really taught myself by applying it at different job functions right so at that time uh, when I was a project coordinator by working with the end users and applying the research methods um, that's pretty much how I learned more about the research side of UX um, I've done it in other uh, co-op terms as well by just working with end users uh, crafting questions um, really understanding what their needs or pain points are um, even for back even for basic projects like like SharePoint, like a content management mm -hmm. system, how would uh, how would a user really navigate through a site to find the information that they need? Um, so I just really, so I really just pretty much uh, try to apply it in as many work settings as possible to, mm -hmm. um, I guess, create something to, to create content that could be that I could put on my portfolio because I also noticed a trend a couple of years ago when I was getting to UX that there were portfolios being created and I didn't really understand what they were but you know I did my yeah. research on Google and saw what other people were doing and really tried to mimic that and see what makes up a good UX portfolio yeah for sure. to really tell you the story yeah cool so you mentioned that one way to um, get into this world of UX was to try and find a way to make a really good portfolio um, to show that you could apply those skills that you learned in school into um, the industry. Can you talk a little bit about what your experience was making this portfolio and like how did you decide what you needed to include? Because I think um, in my experience too, when I was looking for a UX research job, um, a lot of companies ask for a portfolio and then I think as the field matured a portfolio portfolio for researcher wasn't as um, required so I don't I feel like now it's still pretty mixed so 
Um, yeah, if you could just speak about what your yeah. experience was like. Yeah, I agree. It is a bit mixed. Um, I think it's also like when it comes to re- doing the actual research process and the findings part, it's it doesn't seem as exciting as uh, the end result, yeah. which is the visual part, right? For you know, sure. when you when when you see something, you know, very colorful and very like modern looking, it just to like one person, it seems it seems very exciting. But research findings, unless you actually tell it in a story form format you don't really get you don't you can't necessarily get everyone's attention mm-hmm. um but for the research part what I do what I start with is I start with I usually start with in my portfolio I usually start with the actual introduction of what the project or the case study is about and um I go into explaining a bit about the problem that I tackled uh the research methods I used, uh, the type of participants I ha- I've had. And what I do is I I do try to include visuals in. So I'll make personas. Um, I'll try to make, uh, I'll try to make journey maps to really uh, not make, I guess, not make the reader read so much, but actually mm-hmm. just see the visuals and all and the data and, and how I've actually uh, use the data I've, ga- I've gathered and make it into a visual itself. Yeah, it's easy to digest yeah, that way. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then from the findings from there, uh, as the other half of the designer part that I design part that I do, I I would go ahead and uh, showcase lo-fi to high-fi like high-fidelity wireframes to see to show how the dis- how the um, the research data has influenced the quality of the designs. Yeah. That's really cool. So do you think that um, for, I mean, what you said about how it's not um, that exciting to to show, like, the research findings as it is to show the end result. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that I, like, feedback that I was given to when I was applying for jobs. It was like, okay, like, okay, maybe you spent a lot of time with the visuals, but, like, you're applying for a research position, mm-hmm. not a design position. So, like, we don't really care about the end result. And I think that, um, you know, I would definitely encourage people who are looking for a research position to not get so caught up in the end result. Mm-hmm. Um, would you agree with that statement when it comes to research-specific um, applications? No, I think research is just as important as the design part, right? Because the research, what you do and, and the findings that you have are typically what influences mm-hmm the design and I started off in UX uh doing the research part first so I'm a bit biased to that part as well but at the same time um yeah like research is equally as Mm -hmm. important oh for sure I just meant like in terms of the uh the visualization or like the design aspect of a portfolio like I think sometimes as a researcher Mm -hmm. um and you're trying to apply for a job you're like I want to show that it could be really pretty and like these results could be really cool or whatever. But sometimes when you're showing research results, it's yeah. not as flashy or as yeah. exciting as design. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's something that I've definitely realized as well. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned also in your portfolio, you did research and design because you're a specialist. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about what being a research or sorry, UX specialist is like in your day to day? Like, how do you mm-hmm. divide your time between research and design? 
so in my in the research that I do, I really try. So right now, I guess um, to give a bit of a background, I there's no actual uh, uh, UX team. So UX in my company, uh, Aminaris, is still very new. So what I try to do is, um, because there are so many people involved in a project and everyone has their opinions, yeah. I try to, I try to bring in, uh, I guess, more of of a subjective perspective, right? So, um, really by understanding what the users' like motivation and needs are, I would address them by saying, oh, you know, like I t- I've talked to. Um, I've talked to the end users and uh, and these are and this is what they said and then from there I tr- I really try to I guess limit the many opinions of all yeah. the stakeholders in the room yeah um, yeah so that's what I do cool okay so you mentioned um, just prior to um, just a few minutes ago that you use the research as a subjective um, method to get stakeholders to kind of like understand what the users are actually saying and what their needs actually are and not just going off of assumptions. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how do you get stakeholder buy-in and is there ever like a really difficult, um, is that ever a difficult thing to do and how do you mitigate that? Yeah, Um I mean, I try to get the stakeholders involved as early on as possible in the process. So um, I'll, what I'll do is if I ever want to, if I ever want to, you know, sit with a, uh, talk to a user, I'll give them, I can show them like a script that like I've, I've drafted to see like what kind of things, what kind of questions I would ask them, the type of method. And I try to educate them in the process, right? So that um, I guess when, after, after a few weeks pass by, they don't ask me, oh, you know, how did you get these results? Um, I don't understand what this means. So I think, you know, to really mitigate that, really educating them and, and getting them early on involved is, has worked for me so far. Yeah. So that's what I try to do. That's great. Um, have you ever dealt with a difficult stakeholder or mm-hmm. just like product or project manager even? And how do you, I don't know, go yeah. about resolving the difficulties? Um, I think there has, I think, you know, there will, there will always be that, those difficult stakeholders, especially when you work in a big company and it's not so much, it's not so much that they, they don't like, they don't like the change, but, um, there's certain pros, there's certain, there's certain processes that's already implemented in within the company, right? And that's tried and true and they're very much used to going through with the process so I mean to really change that that's another project in itself for a big company right um so I mean I still try to you know I try to get the stakeholders involved and really try to get them to think out of the box and um apply more so of usability principles whenever I show designs on a screen that this is you know this is uh, what the what most people are practicing right now, and this is what this is something that the users will uh, users will most likely accept. Mm-hmm. So I try to show it by education and design. Yeah, that's yeah. great. So you mentioned that Moneris um, is a fairly large company, and that you deal with like a lot of stakeholders, and that 
there's these processes and these um, methods that they've used for so long, so it's kind of hard to to get some change. Um, I'm just wondering if you could share a little bit more about what the size of Moneris actually is, because I have no idea. I imagine it's quite large, and um, what like the organizational structure is of Moneris. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's not that large, but I mean, it's still around. It's still around um, two thousand people oh. just yeah yeah that's pretty large okay yeah <laughs> okay I guess it's large oh uh, yeah it's around 2000 um so what was your other question um the organizational structure organizational structure so, so like where does where do you fall mm-hmm. in the company? I fall yeah okay so I fall under uh the operations uh operations department and uh I work with most I work with a, a lot of my team is mostly made up of process managers. Hmm. So, um, I mean, they, I guess, in that, within that team, I, I do kind of stand out. But at the same time, I do learn a lot from the process managers from a project management perspective. And they use um, the Lean Six Sigma methodologies too, right? Just like kind of like how UX has their own methodologies. So mm-hmm. I, sometimes I see, sometimes I see like, I guess, overlaps in where we try to build empathy with, uh, with uh, the customers or with the users. But at the same time, process managers are very much process oriented. And, um, and I guess they don't really, they don't really look at the, the emotions aspect as much as um, as much as uh, UX needs to just look at the emotions aspect, mm-hmm. so that's the main difference I've noticed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And then, so you, you've been at Moneris, you said for about one and a half, two years yeah. or so. Yeah. Um, where do you see your career going, or where would you like it to go? Like after, I don't know, however long that you would mm-hmm. want to stay in the position that you're in now. Where do you see yourself moving forward? Um, I mean, ideally, I would like to see, uh, I would like to see a team being created with, uh, Moneris, right? So, mm-hmm. like, ideally, a digital team or an actual, di- like an actual bigger department, um, that houses, um, that houses all, you know, marketing and UX, uh, design technology and all of that, so, um... I mean, like, I think that's the direction that, like, a lot of bigger companies are going to war just because mm-hmm. it's really, I guess it's hard to um, get people to think outside the box when you're with everyone else who already has a, uh, already has the mindset that they've had for so long that this is the way to go. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I would like to, I mean, like, I would like to see Moneris go in that direction. Yeah, yeah. for and, sure. Yeah. So... You mentioned that you're the only, like, UX person at Moneris. Like, I don't understand how that's possible when you have a a team of 2,000 people. Yeah. And, like, you're a technology company, too. Like, are you, you're the only designer? Um, I mean, there are a lot of other designers. So there's web designers, there's uh, graphic designers. uh, But in terms of, like, actually doing, I guess, with like a formal title with us i'm the only i would be i'm the only person mm-hmm. um so yeah like i i guess so like mainly with my role with the res with the research aspect that's what i try to bring in yeah um i do apply best practices sometimes but uh it's not always it can it can't always be applied right you really have to know who your users are you really have to know who 
um, our merchants are to understand how to um, deliver a design that they they uh, that they be satisfied. Yeah, with. they're satisfied with. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. Okay, so I'm curious to know about, um, you know, as a one-person UX team uh, and the only researcher um, at Moneris as well, how do you present your findings to different teams to make sure that they're really understanding, like, what it is that you're trying to get across? Mm -hmm. And, like, how do you do that in a way that's concise and really, like, easy for people to digest? Yeah. So I usually create deliverables like uh, personas, uh, journey maps, um, sometimes. I really try to make it, I, I try to create content that's less reading mm-hmm. so that it's, yes, like you said before, so that's more digestible. Um, sometimes it will be in quick report formats or in quick emails if they're very short, if they're very short uh, recommendations um, or very, sh- uh, I guess, small quantity and findings mm-hmm. or sometimes I'll do uh, PowerPoint presentations as well but my goal with all these with uh, any findings that I present I try to make it as uh, less wordy as possible so yeah. that everyone can understand it and they and so also that they want to read into it right because the last thing that you want to do is create a report that and that's no wordy yeah exactly and that no one wants to read yeah, yeah. for sure um something else just came to mind too so when you're talking about research it sounds like a lot of what you've mentioned has been a lot of qualitative research like talking to the merchants and the mm-hmm. end users um do you take care of any quantitative research or do you guys have like a data team or something that also does that yeah, we have a data analyst on our teams and uh so he uses Tableau. I'm trying to learn Tableau myself, but basically we use that to gather uh quantitative insight into what type of merchants we have and what type of products they use and sometimes it's it is the starting point before we do get into qualitative. All right, so we talked a little bit about um making a portfolio earlier in the episode. Um, I wanted to ask you, and I really like asking people this question who are researchers especially, because again, as we talked about, um, it's a bit of a newer field. Like some people prefer, you know, fancy portfolio with like also designs, even though researchers and designers are different. Um, So what's your advice for people who are trying to get into the field and like trying to land um, a research or a design job since you do both? Mm -hmm. Um, I would say, uh, I would say to read up on just basic research methods. Um, I think, you know, those are try to try to read up on them and apply them as much as you can uh, apply them as much as you can so that you know how familiar you are with the research methods and how you can apply them and what you could do with the insights that you uh, that you get um, I'm I'm not sure about the post I'm, I'm not sure about the, the the schooling part because I think mm-hmm. that a lot of people who do get into you into UX research they do come from a variety of backgrounds mostly I've seen are in uh, Mostly, for most, I've, I've seen in humanities, but um, I've seen people with different backgrounds uh, in UX research. Um, I would also say to talk to people that are in the industry, and uh, I think to, I personally think that to get, 
think to get the best advice is to some is uh, from someone that's closer to you in um, to you in your career because I've noticed that the further the, when you ask from my personal experience like yeah. I used to reach out reach, reach out to people as well um, just on LinkedIn or uh, just through networking to really ask about their experience and I think uh, you can relate more to someone that's closer to you uh, in in career as opposed to someone that's further out, like a director, yeah. for example. It's for me, like from my pers- in my personal experience, I think reaching out to someone with higher seniority, they gave great advice, but but also at the same time, I couldn't relate to them. Yeah. So um, I've also mentored uh, some. Uh, I guess some people that were starting in the UX industry on on ten thousand coffees. So, oh, um, what's that? 10,000 coffees it's yeah. like a mentor mentoring network site so you can oh, that's so, cool. so you can look up people in a certain field and uh they'll reach out to talk to you and they say and then they'll they'll say let's grab coffee and hmm. usually people usually I've met with three people so far who actually wanted to get into UX and um I, and those conversations have usually turned out to be like three hours. Wow. Yeah. So they literally, so I've, I've gotten a lot of questions from, you know, what is UX? How do you get into it? And it's a lot of, um, it's, it's a lot of, uh, the conversations are a lot about, um, back and forth about what UX is. And, um, I also think that you learn a lot about yourself by actually teaching it to other people as well, or like what you know. So I try to do that. I try to do more of that as well. Okay, so this is my favorite question that I like to ask people um, who are in the UX field. So what is it that people think that you do when you tell them that you're a UX specialist, especially? Um, because I think the word specialist, too, is, like, pretty rare. Um, yeah, so when you tell people your job title, like, even your family or friends or new people, like, what, what are they, how do they react to that? Um, I think when I first told my mom what I do like I really so I'm Korean so I really had to break it down Mm -hmm. um in Korean and uh so she basically knows it as a bit of design a bit of business a bit of computer work um so that's yeah so like yeah so that's how she knows it as um my some of my other friends I would say most I would say uh, most of my friends are accountants, so they think that they have to do. It has to do with customer experience, mm-hmm. but they don't really know the research side, right? So the, right. the deliverables that we know, like the personas that we create, um, so they know it as mostly of the final, des- final design part, um, and yeah, that's the feedback that I've got, that I've gotten mostly. And some people, I guess a couple months down the road when they ask me what I'm doing and they'll be like, oh, you're doing something with customer experience, right? And I'll be like, yeah. I mean, yeah. although I explained it a couple, I, although I explained it before, but I usually try to, I usually try to um, explain it in a way where I'm trying to make a person's uh, life easier according to the tasks that they do, mm-hmm. um, make it as, as painless and error-free as possible, um, nice. Yeah, so that's how I usually try to explain it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's a pretty good uh, description. I think um, also for you, like I mentioned, having the title of specialist might be a little bit 
more like difficult to understand because if you say designer I think people mm-hmm. can wrap their head around yeah I know kind of what a designer is there's many different types of designers in the world but yeah specialists I you know I would think of like a specialist in like a specific field yeah yeah exactly cool all right well thank you again for sharing your background and insights with myself and whomever else is listening um I hope that everyone who's listening enjoy this episode again if you ever have questions or you'd like to or questions that you'd like to add um please hit me up on slack please join our uxrto slack group if you're not already a part of it um or our twitter at uxresearch to thanks a lot and take care